Welcome to the Movie Business Podcast, picking up where Movie Business Book left off. I'm Jason Squire, hosting a wide range of industry talent and executives to answer fundamental questions about the business today. Here we go. And today we're going to be learning about the secrets of entertainment industry economics with Harold L. Vogel, who is the author of Entertainment Industry Economics, A Guide for Financial Analysis, 10th edition. Hal was ranked the top entertainment industry analyst for 10 years by Institutional Investor, while at Merrill Lynch for 17 years. A PhD in financial economics and also a chartered financial analyst, he has an independent investment and consulting firm based in New York City. Welcome, Hal. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. So... Let's uh, unveil some of the secrets of movie business economics. What do you think? Well, a lot of the stuff that I'm going to talk about operates behind the scenes, and it's not well covered or of great interest to the trade papers and people who are day-to-day working in these industries, media, television, radio, newspapers, and, of course, uh, film. And uh, what you have to look at is that almost all of the material that appears in media uh, is retrieved from previous modes of viewing or watch or listening or whatever. Uh, I can give you uh, some examples. Let's say that we the stories from uh, the video game business, or let's take stories from the movie business. Uh, if you look at uh, Chicago, for example, it was a play it was a movie. It was a whole bunch of other things. Many of the uh, today's features and interested ide- interesting ideas uh, were derived pr- from previous modes of watching, whether it was a play, a novel, or uh, even a piece of music or, or a, an article in a newspaper or magazine. Uh, one of the other things that goes on here is that there is a, a successful a film or TV show, uh, it will be copied, and uh, the business will deteriorate uh, for each one of them as it fragments. And there's also an element of synchronicity. People tend to hop on a trend, and they make copies of the first original that was successful. And uh, what you find out is that many of the uh, successful products actually end up generating most of the revenue. So you've heard of an 80-20 deal or an uh, 80-20 separation where 80% of your uh, revenues come from 20% of the products. And that's uh, maybe okay in some cases, but in the music business, for example, it's more like, and it doesn't have to add up to 100, but it's more like 97% of your revenues or your profits are generated by uh, 2% or 3% of your output. Uh, that's, that's another characteristic that is behind the scenes. And finally, uh, there's what I call spread, which is that the distribution is looking for the maximum content, and content is looking for the maximum distribution. And that uh, goes for all of these uh, media and entertainment things. Now, if I ask you or your students, what's this all about? What is the whole business all about? 
And what would you say uh, most students or uh, observers, casual observers, would say this is maybe about movie ticket sales, uh, right? That's that's a common thing. Or broadcast ratings, right? You would say broadcast ratings. Or uh, more modern times, streams downloaded. And, and uh, that's all sort of correct, uh, but it is not the final answer. And here is kind of the... Uh, what goes on a little bit behind the scenes. I don't know if the word secret is uh, totally appropriate. It's maybe too intense, but and it's known by a lot of people behind the scenes. But what does all media and entertainment business provide and sell? And that's an important question. And the answer is experiences. It gives you an experience that you wouldn't perhaps otherwise have. And as you look at this thing, uh, you say, okay, well, if it's an experience, what are all these people in the movie and television businesses and video games and music, what are they trafficking? And uh, most people would shrug their shoulders and they would say, I'm not sure, I don't know. And the answer is, with capital letters, rights. That's what is going on behind the scene. Intellectual property, correct. And what you need to do in this business is, whether you're successful or unsuccessful, you need to make it. You need to distribute the product. You need a right. You need rights to make it. You need rights to distribute. You need rights to use it. You need rights to profit from it, to deploy, and to copy. And so it's a whole bunch of rights. And there are rights fences that used to be uh, pretty high, but now with the Internet and uh, digital distribution of all kinds, uh, it is uh, the fences aren't that high. It used to have local geography for broadcast. So the transmitter strength used to be the main thing that would limit the distribution of the programming. In cable, it was uh, home subscriptions, and that would make a difference. In music, it would be the carrier format, so you were stuck with DVDs or tape or whatever, uh, or an LP, a vinyl LP. And in theatrical, in film, you were stuck to the theater. Well, now, of course, uh, you can stream everything everywhere, and uh, it's a, a different kind of a structure. Now, in order to uh, look at the rights issue a little bit more carefully, you would say that, okay, broadcasters buy a blanket license to use music, and films must buy a sync license to use music. And if I ask you what the National Basketball Association players license, they license the rights to use their talents in a specific team. And, of course, in film, producers option or license their rights to use stories. So you can't make a film without those kinds of rights. And I had an example a very long time ago. A a friend uh, wanted, a casual friend, wanted to make a film, an independent film. And uh, they wanted to raise money. And it wasn't a whole lot of money, but it was a a substantial amount for a, a few people. And it was probably, I don't know, a million dollars, two million dollars for the film. And they wanted, they had the storyline, they had the whole thing, except for music. 
and they wanted this was a story about a riverboat uh mississippi river story and they wanted to license the tina turner uh rolling on the river and that was very expensive because it was a relatively new song and it was very popular and that killed the whole deal they couldn't afford the music the rights to the music that's an so, example so. of the financial secrets of the business. What, what are some of the other operating issues bes behind financing entertainment product, especially movies? Well, uh, in movies, there are, are a few other things. Financing in movies, first of all, they want to know that you have the, the right to the title, to the structure. And uh, there's if you're buying film libraries... Uh, you have to have a chain of title, a chain of uh, ownership that is proven. And all of that, again, is a legal right that you have to look at. Now, what I always mention uh, in the rights section of, of, of what I talk about is how do you measure the value of the right? And that is a key question. Uh, there are a couple of things that you can do. You can sort of make a comparison to rights that have been sold or transferred in the past, and you could look up a comparable film or television show, whatever, if you can find the comparable. A lot of these deals are hidden. They are private deals. They're not appearing in the trade press. They're not appearing on the Internet. You can't find them through Google or any other search engine, so it's hard to find the comparison. You can uh, sort of mathematically maybe say, okay, I have the right for three months, and I'll give you a payment, an option, basically. You, you're looking at an option to purchase the right to use. And how do you figure that out? Well, a lot of people uh, who are non-mathematicians or uh, looking at, um, let's say, the creative side of the business, uh, they're not aware of the Black-Scholes model that was developed, uh, Merton Black and Scholes developed this and they won a Nobel Prize. Black uh, passed away, uh, I think, age 56 before he could win the Nobel Prize. But in 1973, the option pricing formula was developed and it created a whole industry in option trading and it's a uh, pretty deep mathematics it's not all correct as i see it it's not what it should be but it has a very steep and deep looking equation partial differential equation and i don't want to get into that at this point but you should be aware that option pricing is a key element because you want to option maybe the story that you saw in the magazine or the piece of music that you want to use in your film or whatever. And so there's a mathematical element behind the scenes that values these options to obtain the rights. Now, you talked earlier about um, libraries. Do you think that the value of film libraries will be are increasing or decreasing? Oh, there's no doubt they're decreasing. Uh, I've seen uh, many, many transactions, and uh, you can go back to the 80s and 90s, and you'd be surprised how, and these are titles that you would know easily, and the uh, values of these things are pretty low, and they're the, the diminishing over time. And there are a couple of reasons for that. One uh, is that people want to see 
people who are similar or have different contemporary issues and on the screen. And so the movies of 20 or 30 years ago, some of them are excellent. They're very, very well written and acted and directed and so on. But they're not uh, contemporary artists that are in the papers and the streaming and all of the uh, media, social media all the time. So uh, those stars cannot, uh, of the last, uh, let's say, 50 years, cannot usually attract the, the most interested audiences of today. Second, if you uh, look at the old uh, technology, if you want to convert it to streaming, you want to uh, do some other things, you have to pay for digital formatting, and that's expensive. And so these films were made on Kodak film, on Kodak, and, and that is not uh, efficient and cannot really be used for distribution on digital platforms. And so you have to pay for that. Then you have to realize that there is a plethora of films that are out there in television shows. And we're talking about hundreds of thousands of titles. And to select one title or a group of old titles, you have to really sort through a lot of it. And a lot of it is uh, if you select one that you like, maybe the, the, the jokes and the storyline are funny to you, but they may not be funny to somebody else anymore. They were funny at the time they were filmed. Now, this brings us to another question, uh, our final question, having to do with an independent investor who is looking to uh, help finance an independent movie. Uh, what should investors look out for? I think they have to look out for, one, the experience of the management and the, the uh, integrity of the management, because in this business, there is, I'm sorry to say it, Jason, but uh, it's partly a business of schemers and dreamers, and that tends to uh, hype uh, the storylines and make it seem like this is a no-lose proposition and we know that many films just don't get the traction, they don't get the distribution, they don't get the ratings, they don't get the eyeballs, they don't get anything. And so the probability of losing money on on any film, not a major film or even a, an independent film, uh, is pretty high. So you want integrity and you want management experience. Then you want to see that the budgets are under control to a degree. Now, it's, you can't control everything, and things get out of line and uh, cost more than you expected uh, very often. Uh, you also want to have distribution lined up before you invest in the film because you can make the film and have enough money for the film, but if, it's, if it sits on your computer hard drive, it doesn't do anything uh, to generate revenue. So you want to have distribution lined up. And uh, when you're looking at the distribution uh, side of it, you have to realize that these are precious slots of time. And so distributors can only handle so much. A major distributor, major co uh, distribution company, and you know the names of the top five of them, the Disney's, uh, uh, Warner's, and so on. Uh, they they all have a slate that they put out, and they have a limited number that they can handle. And the, the subsidiaries that handle the independent films, they also have the same issue as scalability. They cannot put too many films out each year. 
uh, because they have to put their efforts on. They have limited resources. They have to put their efforts onto uh, a couple of films. So getting distribution is very important. And then you want to have uh, behind that you want to have. Uh, adequate liquidity of your investors. So if somebody is, uh, let's say, not a, a necessarily very wealthy person and they're putting a lot of their life savings into it, that's not the kind of investor you want. You want to have somebody who has ample liquidity, is not giving their last dollar to this project, and is not being uh, taken on a hype, uh, a ride for hype uh, on the, how good the film is going to be. There are lots of good stories around that don't get made. Well, this is terrific. Yeah. And make sure to go out and buy a copy of Entertainment Industry Economics, a guide for financial analysis, now in its 10th edition. Hal Vogel, thanks so much for being with us on the Movie Business Podcast. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Jason. 